Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome to Development Hell. For every horror movie that hits VOD, countless others end up DOA. Development Hell is the podcast dedicated to unearthing these cursed horror productions. We're going to find out what went wrong and then decide if these titles still stand a shot at the green light. I am your host, Josh Corngut. I am a filmmaker in Toronto, Canada. This podcast is a proud member of the Dread Podcast Network. Available now from Dread bad candy on halloween night in new salem radio dj's chili billy Corey taylor and paul played by zach galligan tell a twisted anthology of terrifying local myths that lead to a grim end for small town residents so if you love slipknot gremlins and horror this is the film for you bad candy is out now on demand everywhere and you can get your hands on the blu-ray october 10th Okay, I'm just going to run into it. Were you impressed last time that I literally just, like, sank into it like a demon? I, I did. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> you are. Um, okay. Hi, everybody. And welcome to a brand new episode of Development Hell. Today, we are going to be covering a James Wan original concept, The Crooked Man. We're covering this today in celebration of the release of Malignant, which just hit theaters September 10th. And we have a returning guest today. This person is not a horror aficionado. They are not an industry uh, person. So, like, calm down. This is my best friend, Jules. She was with us on our last episode about Jaws 3, People 0. Welcome, Jules. Come, You're back to the podcast already. I'm back. Oh, I know. God. How do you feel about that? Um, Like, I, I so love being here. But as mm. we're going to go through in the movie... I, it was a it was a hard one for me. <laughs> oh, I know it was. And we're going to get there. But Jules, in, um, in case people weren't listening last week, can you do me a favor and just introduce yourselves to the Development Hell audience? Yeah. So hi, everybody. Again, I'm Juliana, but everyone calls me Jules. Um, I have no connection at all to horror or media or anything creative really at all. I am a social worker. I'm a counselor and I specialize in addictions and mental health uh, and trauma. So how, what's our origin story, Jules? Like, how would you introduce Josh and Jules to the world real fast? Like, I just feel like our friendship is so chaotic. <laughs> We're best friends. We've been best friends for like 15 years. We met in high school. Um, as I said last uh, yes, last week, I guess, we were prom queen and king. Um, so we were, you know, over the top people. And I think we fell in love because of that. But we fight basically nonstop. And I think we agree on basically nothing. Yeah, people are like, why are you friends? And then we're like, you don't understand. <laughs> we get Truly. Yeah. I feel like a lot of our friends are like, how are you guys best friends? How do yeah. you see each other so often? And I'm yeah, like, but we don't. Know. But we're like, because we're better than you. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's it. That's fine. Uh, you don't okay, need so, wavelength. Anyways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jules, I was wondering if you 
what your relationship with James Wan films are, and if you have any favorites, do you want me to run you by what his directorial efforts are? Yes, please. Okay. We've got Saw, Dead Silence, Insidious 1 and 2, The Conjuring 1 and 2, Fast 7, and Aquaman. I am leaving out a couple just to be a dick. He did a lot. Yeah. There was also one called Death Sentence, just for full disclosure. Um, So, Dead Silence. Number one. Well, I, I really like that silence. I think it's okay. really um, Also, if I didn't like that silence, I think you would murder me. Which, why, do you, why do you say that? Because it's your favorite movie ever. Okay. It is. <laughs> exactly. it, it Actually, yeah, it is. It's one of my I favorite movies I, of all time. I think I've seen it three times because you've like been like, we need to watch that silence again. Did you like it? I do. know. I really, I really, really like it. It has basically everything I want in a horror movie. It's like kind of campy, but it is scary. Um it's like fun, even though it still has that horror feeling. Oh, it's certainly fun. Yeah. I just did a definitive ranking of all the James Wan like directorial efforts. <laughs> I said that again for Dread Central, and I put Dead Silence as number three, thinking oh. it would be really controversial because I thought people hated it. Turns out I was absolutely wrong. Everybody's here for Dead Silence in 2021. Wow, I can't believe you made it number three. I wanted to. Do you mean, is that too low? Yeah, you went against yourself. I know. The thing is, is democracy is important, especially Mm. now. And so I did, I I was consulted by a number of other Dread individuals. I'll keep their names hidden (laughs) for the safety of them and their families. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, any other uh, yeah, James so, Wan movies that like made it into your zeitgeist? Well, now that you're telling me this, um, there's only been two movies in my entire life that have scared me so bad that I couldn't sleep that night. And mm-hmm. one was Saw and the other one was Insidious. Oh, my God. So it's crazy to me that he did both. I had no idea. Oh, you didn't know? I didn't know. I had no idea. They are very different movies. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll give you a bit of a, like a history of those two titles. Great. So Saw was his first movie made for nothing back in 2004. Mm-hmm. Huge success. One of the most um, profitable movies of all time. Mm. Um, so after that, he kind of had carte blanche in Hollywood and he made Dead Silence, which was a huge flop. Oh. And so for a long time, he was kind of in director jail. <laughs> and um, he made Insidious eventually for like a million bucks, which was very little. And it also was now considered to be one of the most profitable films of all time. And then The Conjuring came out a couple years after that, and that was huge. And then ever since then, he's been, you know, one of the biggest names in the industry. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised Insidious was made for so little. It seemed like it was made for more. I know, Quill. It's just such a, it's, that's why it's such a perfect film. That made the number one spot on our list. For, oh, there you go. Yeah. I, I Yeah, it's just like exactly what, same with Saw. It's just like the mm-hmm. best of what sort of a low budget can do in uh-huh. horror. Um, yeah. yeah. I would say, okay, so for me, I would say my favorite, yeah, we talked about Dead Silence. I love the Insidious movies. They're yeah. like, I like them way more than the, we'll get into it, but you know this. Well, do you know why I like the Insidious movies more than I like the Conjuring movies? Huh. I, I would guess, this is just because I know you, that uh, Insidious kind of brings up more like sleep paralysis stuff. And I know that scares uh, you and intrigues you. You're not um, wrong. And The Conjuring is pretty religious and you're not really into religious horror. Well, that's the tea. Yes. Yeah. So I don't find religious. I just, uh, it just really doesn't do it for me. But when you take away religiousness from ghosts, it's like, of course this isn't real, but it's a little easier for me to be like, well, I don't know. Like, right. <laughs> Less I, I, this more. Yeah. yeah. Like I don't believe in the religious stuff as a fact, but I, I, this other ooey gooey stuff i don't have an opinion on yeah well what's crazy is that religious horror scares the fuck out of me sorry to swear but i am an atheist and so i yep. don't know why it scares me like but it does i yeah for you i've always noticed it's like the intangible stuff that's scarier yeah. because it kind of can get you anywhere meanwhile like you can kind of protect yourself from a killer if you well you're well you can kind of protect yourself from a killer if you you know you do your due diligence yeah i mean i think i I think I could. I mean, I probably couldn't, but in my mind, I could totally protect myself. Yeah, the, yeah. I, but it, with a supernatural entity, you're like, well, I might as well yeah. just close my eyes and wait till I die. Not to jump to a head for The Conjuring 2, but there's a part where the little girl like closes the door and puts a, a chair on the door. And I was like, little girl, uh, demons and ghosts can get through doors. And I literally they... yelled at the screen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, they can. They, yeah. they, absolutely, they, they absolutely can. Okay, so... Outside of the James Wan, like, total discography, there is the Conjuring extended universe. 
Uh, a couple of these movies he hasn't directed, so I'm just going to run us through what those are. So we have the three Conjuring movies, the third one he did not direct. Mm. Uh, Annabelle 1 through 3, he did not direct any of those. Oh. The Nun, he didn't direct that. And The Curse of Elorna, I don't know if I'm saying that right, I apologize. Um, so out of those, like, ha- have you seen any of the Annabelle movies? I haven't seen a single one of those movies. Oh, really? Um, I've heard really bad things about Annabelle. Okay. Um, and I think that's why I just didn't do it. The Conjurings looked too scary to me, so I never did that. <laughs> yeah, they are um, scary. Yeah, fuck. it was really scary. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, no, and, and then I never heard of that other weird one. That the Curse of Alorna, yeah. And, um, and The Nun. So Annabelle 1 through 3, I'll give a little bit of my opinion. And I think it may be the horror community consensus to some degree. Mm-hmm. The first film, I think, was a bit of a stinker. I don't think a lot of people really liked it, although it made a lot of money. Oh. And then I actually am a big fan of the second two, and I think horror fans are kind of on my side. They're they're really fun. They're they're kind of carnival scary. They they just like get the job done okay. <laughs> in a way that's very fun and like not trying too hard. Oh yeah. yeah, okay. I like that. I actually I like that vibe. Yeah, yeah. I I I also don't love the whole like haunted doll trope. Oh well, then you might want to stay clear of all of these <laughs> movies because that's exactly what they are. That's all it is. I mean, I. <laughs> If it's if it's fun carnival horror, I like that idea. Yeah, that's that's what they are, and they lean a little a little further away from the religious stuff. Although the Ed and Lorraine characters are in at least one of them. They the third love one for sure. God so much. It's like I know, I know, I know. It's like, girl, God, God's, God's not dead too. Okay, starring <laughs> M- Melissa Joan Hart. Joan Hart. Yeah, I know. Some McCarthy. But- Oh my god. I would watch that. I was going to say better movie, but it would be so disappointing. Is there a God's Not Dead one? Because I've never yeah, heard of is. it. If There is. Is she in that I, one? I don't think she's in it. Okay, so that's why we've never heard of it, obviously. Uh-huh. And I, my guess is that they're, like, totally different. I hope that they are. <laughs> How much can you talk about getting rid of the Ten Commandments? Is that what that is? Yeah, you don't know. because... Oh, no, really? You, you know? know. Oh my god, tell me. Church, the Satanist Church oh, no. wanted to get the Ten Commandments, because right by the, I think it's the Supreme Court, oh, there's no. the Ten Commandments in stone, and they were like, we want to get rid of these. And literally, God's Not Dead 2 is about them fighting that so they can keep the Ten Commandments in front of the church, uh, in front of the court. And? Um, in, the, in the movie, they win. Mm-hmm. I think in real life, they don't. <laughs> I'm in class... That's what I would expect out of God's Not Dead too. We I should do. Might. We we should. If I had a Patreon, we would be doing oh. a special Patreon only God's Not Dead too. <laughs> we have talked about it twice now. <laughs> Was it last week as well? Yes. Melissa Joan Hart has the same birthday as me. <laughs> oh, that's how this all happened. Good. I, I don't mind a motif. I'm fine with that. Yeah. I think if I'm not wrong, um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go with this. Hopefully, this mm-hmm. isn't a big lie. There was a movie called The Watcher in the Woods starring Betty Davis from like the early 80s, like a spooky Disney movie. Oh. I believe, if I'm not wrong, Melissa Joan Hart, not that long ago, directed a remake starring, who's the lady that got, Angelica Houston. Thank you, God. Yes. Sorry about that. And I believe it starred as Angelica Houston. Isn't that interesting? I love Angelica Houston so much. I know, I know. And that almost makes me upset. Yeah, Yeah, it doesn't. It's as bad as it it looks as bad as it sounds. Yeah, that she's fallen so far from grace that she's doing like a weird Melissa Joan Hart movie. It's spooky though. Okay, well, yeah, I mean, I'm sure Angelica Houston is great. She's never been bad in anything. The Conjuring 2. What was what? What are our first experiences with this movie? Uh, Let's start with you, Jules. So this is my first foray into any of the Conjuring movies, because like I said earlier, I did not want to watch them. I knew they'd scare me. This is why you're a perfect um, guest. Perfect guest. Yeah. <laughs> and it literally took me four hours to watch a two-hour movie. Oh my god, Jules. I had to keep taking breaks because I was so scared. I also watched it during the day. It was like 1pm when I turned it on. I kept locking the door. I kept looking behind me. I was a mess today. Um, but I got through it and I finished it. <laughs> Wow, I'm very sorry to disturb you so badly. Uh, did you like it? Like, out of five, I'd give it a three. It's not bad. Yeah, it wasn't bad. It was, it, it, you know, it, it's, it really scared me. It did what it needed to do. The main kid actor wasn't that bad at acting. The other kid no, actor is kind of Which is always black magic to me when oh, a kid isn't terrible. 
I'm also always scared when the movie starts and I'm like, oh, fuck, it centers around children. This is going to suck. But it, it wasn't that bad. She really wasn't that bad. So really, no. that was okay. I yeah. will say that some of it, there was just too much CGI, which I'm sure we'll get into. Uh-huh. Um, there and that really, kind of, yeah. really was, especially with what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Which, in, yeah. which in case anyone forgot about, we are talking about The Crooked Man. Yes, yeah. this is a spinoff of one of the biggest bads in James Wan uh, character history. He is a bit of a boogeyman-esque character that has made one appearance, and it was in The Conjuring 2. He also has an origins in nursery rhyme, Mother Goose kind of stuff. And we'll get to his details pretty Come soon. Come on, Mother Goose. Come on, um, Mother Goose. I, it always makes me laugh and drag when they when they yeah, call rhyming right. Mother Goose. It's so funny. I, it's one of those things I've always wanted to pocket for myself, but have never remembered to use. Oh, yeah. And I feel like it's so niche. Like, random people will be like, sorry, what? What? Oh, I mean, listen. <laughs> I mean, I feel like now, uh, unfortunately, I'm going to say 30% of my vernacular is drag. Yeah. And no that. straight people understand. None of yeah. them. <laughs> well, but they find it fun. Right, yeah, that's true. Oh my god, you're totally the Jack to my Karen. Um, That's rude. This is. I know. I feel like, but this is an inside joke that maybe people don't understand. They might be able to connect the pieces because it's not that complicated. But right, it's the the joke is just, and Josh says this all the time, and it's true. Used to. This has been a long time. You're right. Any person that like brings up Will and Grace around Josh's friendship to be like, you're the Will to my Grace, or you're the Jack to my Karen, they're probably kind of a bad person. Yeah, absolutely. This was more of an issue, I would say, like, you know, 10 years ago. Um, I feel like the culture has thankfully evolved to having other touchstone queer (laughs) references other than Will and Grace, thankfully. Some of them are equally terrible. Like, if you know me, you know, my number one enemy is Queer Eye for the Straight Guy guys. All of them, most of them, at least two or three. I was right on that, though. I didn't No, 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 we don't need the world. I feel like I don't want to tell them how we feel about people that people like. You're right, you're right, sorry. Yeah, we don't love JVN, but that's okay. You can love JVN and we don't have to. This is fine. It's fine. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so, yeah, so you were kind of hot and cold on it. Uh, you haven't seen the first film or the third film? No, not at all. <laughs> and would you at this point in your life? Um, almost, yes. Almost, I'm curious. I, mm-hmm. I think the first one more than the third. Well, yeah. Um, I'd like to know more of the origin of this, like, weird Christian couple. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's, yeah, I, I don't, I mean, maybe the third, if, if it was forced upon me, I'd probably watch it, but I, yeah. So you're interested in the Warrens, who are based on Ed and Lorraine Warren, which were two real people that not necessarily were real uh, <laughs> demonologists, but they claim to have been, so we can call it based on real events. Honestly, the real pictures at the end scared me. Yeah, they would. It's I so know, easy. It's so, so easy, easy to for Hollywood to be like, it's <laughs> real. It's I lost know. complete meaning. I know. I remember that with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like <laughs> yeah. I thought, being like, "Oh my god, it's real!" And then like learning about Ed Gein and being like, "Oh, so it's like not." It's it, not real it's at not all. Real it is gross though. in real life, but it's different. Yeah. Oh, it's horrible, but it's just not that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ed Gein's gross. Yeah. He's a, a sad, sad, scary man. Scary man. He did have mom issues, right? Oh, that yeah, wasn't just a, the movies. He literally made a suit so he could. Never look mind. Mom. Never mind. It's Sorry, funny. guys. Um, I don't know why I'm so finicky about. Well, I have mom issues. <laughs> it's a horror podcast. Anyways. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's get to the Crooked Man. He's only made one appearance. It was in this film that we watched today. Mm. What, how would you define what the Crooked Man was in this movie? So I thought he was his own demon until like the end when they kind of explain it differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was like, like, you know, in the very beginning of The Conjuring 2, when she, when this guy kind of kills his entire family. Uh-huh. The crooked man makes the little girl say this like poem that's like, and then he kills his crooked family or something. Mm-hmm. And I and I thought that's what was going to happen. I thought the crooked man was going to like take over her body and like break her bones to be crooked and then make her kill her family. Oh, that would be scary. I know. So I was like really scared at first. Um, I was like, my interpretation was scarier than what ended up Way happening. Way scarier. Well, it just kind of felt undercooked. It was mm-hmm. it was just like a pop up, a show up queen, as yes. some would say. I think um, I think it's mm-hmm. scary to see like body parts really crooked and stuff like yes like give me pet cemetery you know that kind of like I yeah, think that, that's yeah. scary so I think that's why they did it it felt like that was kind of just thrown in there to be like this is a scary image you know yeah it's so unnatural and maybe there's something evolutionary about us 
being really freaked out by broken bones oh, because yeah. back in the day it was probably a death sentence. Yeah, did you, I guess, were you aware it was based on no. an English nursery rhyme? Either was I, actually. No. So there was a crooked man. It was an English nursery rhyme that dates from 1842. Uh, in it, the crooked man wasn't originally a villain, but it was repurposed, of course, <laughs> in this film, The Conjuring 2, by, as you were saying, the like the, the non-evil hell demon at the end. Who sort of valak yes who is <laughs> thank you who is uh sort of puppeting every all the other scary ghosts in the house mm-hmm. i believe if i'm not wrong kind of rewrites the crooked man poem <laughs> to make it scary 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 can i read it to you yeah please oh my god it's eight lines though are you gonna be okay with that i'll live <laughs> and yeah okay if i hate it i can always cut it right everybody at home okay <laughs> so there was a crooked man is the name of the story okay there was a crooked man and he walked a crooked mile. He found a crooked sixpence upon a crooked stile. He bought a crooked cat, which caught a crooked mouse. And they all lived together in a little crooked house. That's the original, right? I believe that is from the original. Yeah, yeah. That, that's scary. Like, it's the it, idea it, of a crooked man and, like, a crooked house. Like, there's something really creepy about that. Oh, my God. Do you know what I just remembered? Do you remember the pink lady story? Oh, maybe not. Tell me it again. Okay, there was this bit that I like to do in high school that it was definitely like a joke I heard somewhere. Mm-hmm. And the joke was, I'm not going to do it, but y- you tell a story about a pink lady and the, the gist is the pink lady lived in a pink house with a pink cat and her yes. walls were pink. And you go on like that for, you know, as long as you want. Yes. Like and her desk was pink and she wrote with pink pen. And, and you just do that for a really long time to like get your, whoever you're telling the story, like invested and then kind of irritated that it's going on for so long. And then I forget, the end is just like, and then that's the end. And the the joke is that you just wasted somebody's time for no reason at all. And like, I do remember you telling me this joke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, this <laughs> kind of reminds me of this. It's it's uh, they're both quite stupid. Do we find the crooked man scary in the nursery rhyme in the movie in like the zeitgeist? Is is he a scary guy? So here's what I'll say about the crooked man. Mm. What I found scary was when that thing is spinning and you see like a little cartoon of the crooked man walking. Yeah. I found that really scary. Yeah. It was like a shadow lamp, like lamp that projects on the walls. Yes. Yes. And I was like, that's fucking scary. But then the actual crooked man was so CGI. He was very CGI. Yes. It didn't work. It just wasn't scary for me. It was from 2016 too. I don't know. Mm -hmm. This wasn't exactly an excuse, but yeah. I really find CGI in most movies especially horror movies just really takes me out of it yes yeah, cgi is crappy what what at least these movies provide are cgi in full dark you know yeah, unlike yeah, yeah. the avengers movies and all that who have more money do it broad daylight cgi which is always so alienating and i'll say it uncanny valley oh uncanny um, valley uncanny valley you see when i saw this in theaters i was so i'm a, i'm a scaredy cat and I'll cover my ears and my eyes for most scary parts. And so I don't think I, like, really saw the Crooked Man, like, full out the first time. And this time I got a really good look. And, yes, he's he's quite CGI. I gotta can, say, I hate uh-huh. that about you. You'll, like, make me watch a horror movie. And then it traumatizes me while you're closing your eyes and plugging your ears. I never said you can't. <laughs> like, I don't understand, you know. I don't I make know. your rules. My personality, though, I can't not see it. I need to see it. I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, it's sound is scarier. I always plugging my ears is better than closing my eyes. Like it's like the jump scare sound effects really yeah. get me. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It also that I'm like glad that you brought that up. The shadow lantern that sort of projects the crooked man yeah. within. Within there's my favorite movie of all time is Sleepy Hollow, mm. and, and in that there's a similar segment where a little boy lights a shadow lantern and it like casts um like light of Halloween themed images across the room. And ever since I was a kid, I was obsessed with it and I like wanted one. And of course there isn't one cause it was just made for that movie. But um, yeah, they had one of this reminded me of that. And I, I one day I really want to get a shadow lantern. What a beautiful movie Sleepy Hollow is. And Shadow Lanterns are kind of beautiful, creepy. That sort of perfect mix of those two things. Absolutely. I remember when I was younger, I like really tried to find it from that movie and I yeah. think in, there was like something on Etsy, but it was like not quite. Yeah, I bet so, it's somewhat on Etsy. I, maybe now it's better than it used to be, but I bet you there's some kind of cool Shadow Lantern that would. There's any fans in the audience that want to make Josh this oh my Shadow God, Lantern? Uh, I would cry. I would cry. I'd cry. 
Send it in. Why do we think uh, the sh- no? Why do we think the crooked man was associated the most with the little boy in the movie? I didn't realize it was. Explain. Yeah, he he's the one that almost every time that we interact with something to do with the crooked man, it's oh, with the little the boy. End. You're right. Yes. Yeah. Um, do you think it's because the little boy, the like little stutterer, um, mm-hmm. is bullied, so it's easy? Like he picks on him. Yeah, I mean he is he is bullied, but I mean the monster like they kind of target the girl more than they target the boy. Yeah. I I think it's because he's young and there's like a there's like a fabley kind of fairy tale spookiness, yeah. kind of childlike spookiness to the crooked man that you don't get with the other ghosts that makes sense yep mm-hmm. and um james wan is of course the king of spooky toy jump scares which are so silly but i like them i know there's there's criticism on the internet but i'm okay with that i there were a few jumps in this that made me actually scream out loud there, there i had the volume absolutely off at one point because it was one of the scares that i remember really fucking with me and even volume completely off on a laptop, I was like, oh, fuck. It was the, I think, what was my favorite scare in the movie? It's the armchair reflection in the TV with the little girl. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. That's oh, yeah. fucked up it's material. You know what this movie kind of, okay, so there's one of the main ghosts in this movie is the ghost of this old man that died in the house. We find out later, of course, that he's being puppeted by a demon. Yeah. But for a lot of the movie, we think it's this like scary old man that used to live in this house and died in this chair. And um, we get some really good scares with him. It reminds me so much of that Dixie Chick song that I'm obsessed with. Did you pick up on that? <laughs> I didn't, but you're so right. It's like the music video. It's like, <laughs> I think it'd be funnier if you kind of explained my, my, the, this scenario for our audience are you willing uh, to do that it's the song top of the world is that the name of the song or is that's that the name of the song right? yeah and it's a cover by patty griffin but made popular by the dixie jacks he's just obsessed with this music video and he thinks it's like just the most tragic thing in the world and mm-hmm. i feel like you always show it to everybody and i feel uh-huh. like it makes you cry almost every time every time every there's time. something about that music video that what's the concept you. of it what's the concept it's, of it's it? like a dad a really sort of like shitty deadbeat dad mm-hmm. um Mm-hmm. And he's like always ignoring them, and then she ends up with like a shitty deadbeat husband. No, I think like, you're getting this wrong. I think you're. Am I getting it wrong? That's my memory. Oh my god, tell me. I think you're getting it wrong. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry. I apologize, but this is it. So yeah, so there's this deadbeat dad who like is emotionally detached from his family in, in like the 70s, and he has this beautiful little daughter that loves him and a wife that's trying to like help him cope, but he's clearly just like unable to love or show any kind of emotion. And in the video, you kind of cascade between his childhood and his little girl that's growing up to the present. Oh. Yeah. And you learn in the video the reason that he's so unable to sort of love and attach is because he had this, like, really fucked up mother who really fucked him up and, like, kind of was abusive but also was really withheld emotionally. And so you see, like, the cycle of emotional abuse and how it kind of ends with him because he doesn't abuse his kid. But he's unable to give her the love she needs. But, you know, the mom is. And so at the end of the video, Natalie Maines grows up to be, like, a, a good, well-rounded person because she had love from her mom. But this guy never got Oh, my God. That That's himself. so fucking heartbreaking. Isn't that beautiful? Uh, it's beautiful. And, wait, and before I'm funny, each Dixie chick plays one of the important people in his life. So the dark hair one plays as a evil mother. And then the one nobody cares about plays his wife. And then <laughs> the Natalie Maines plays his adult daughter uh that's funny that i i remembered it totally differently uh i mean i've seen it many times the true one is so sad it's so much sadder than my memory so isn't that great yeah everybody if you're listening and if you've listened to more than one or two episodes of this podcast you owe me this yes (laughs) go watch top of the world the music video by the dixie chicks i know it sounds the sounds unbearable and gay but um that's that's what this is josh that should be like on your Tombstone, unbearable. unbearable gay. <laughs> so true. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, there was, and I will say within this, like kind of coming back to The Conjuring 2, I found the old man really sad. And that was yes. sort of what I felt the whole time. I kept being like, he, I kept thinking like, 
he's not gonna kill them. He's just like a sad, grumpy old man. Yeah. And then when it turned out he was being held yeah, against yeah. the will, I was like, okay, now it makes sense that I kind of got that vibe that he was like, uh-huh. where's my family? It's so sad. Yeah. It, yeah. It's sad. kind of great. James Wan does that really well, where he like kind of subverts hauntings. So it's it, the house is never just haunted. It's always like a little bit of a subversion of that, like in Insidious. Of course, the famous thing is that the house isn't haunted. The kid is oh. haunted. And yeah. so I like how that's played with here. I also like how ultimately it's not like it goes beyond just religious into like the less noble realm of demons, which I like because I, while it is religiously affiliated, like it kind of goes up into the, you know, cosmic Lovecraftian horror. Element. Yeah. I think we could, I, I, and I wish there was more like demon evil entity stuff without all the Christianity. Like he speaks in Latin with his cross. Mm-hmm. And I was mm-hmm. like, fuck um, cause I still I, think we could do it. Yeah. I like that you don't like, I, I kind of feel like you're on my side a little bit with religious horror now. I am. I think it's, I will say when it gets too religious, it takes me out again. Um, yeah. It's like, I will say the scene where she's in that room and all the crosses turn upside down made me actually laugh out loud. Like I audibly laughed. It's funny because that's one of the big like um, promo scenes really? from the movie. Like, I, in the trailer, it was on the poster, it's everywhere. One thing I'll always say about that too is like I don't understand why an upside down cross is now demonic. Like you'd think a cross, if it hurts them, would still hurt them upside down. Like it's very confusing. Well, if you think it's like you know, it's the inversion, so it's the opposite. So if a upside down, if a right side up cross is everything that's good of the world, and ups- an right. upside down cross represents everything that's evil. I guess and I wrong. just feel like if a cross is so magical to keep away demons, I guess it's not that magical because the minute you turn it upside down, it like is it brings on demons. I don't but know. I mean, what's so scary is that it's blasphemy. It's taking what right, is yeah, holy right. and it's 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 destroying You're doing it. it. The opposite, yeah, yeah. yeah fair. I just I thought that I really I'm with you though. It's like who fucking cares. Yeah, I thought it was silly. And I was like, you're scaring me enough. You don't need this stupid thing. But it's to placate to a religious, right? Like, I feel like Uh, kind of why we do religious horror. It's because Texas was like, yeah! (laughs) I'm seeing the demon and it's the homosexual. Exactly. Turns frogs gay. Anyways. The frogs were gay. Oh, isn't that a thing? Yeah, yeah. I think his name is Alex Max. He's like the really crazy. Alex Jones? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, the guy who like yells crazy conservative shit and just like his lies. He said like the government is putting things in the water that's turning the frogs gay. It's like his really famous <laughs> yelling ones. Yeah, it's amazing. Anyways. And people love it. People eat it the fuck up. Like yum, Joe yum, yum, yum. Hogan. I don't know what I just said that for. <laughs> um, okay, where was I? So the Crooked Man movie. This is why we're here. It always takes yeah. me so long to get to the point, and it's we're because <laughs> well, it's because there's honestly not that much information usually, so I have to pad with the fun stuff. Okay. Uh, so yeah, the Crooked Man was once planned, maybe still planned. We'll figure that out at the end as a spinoff film to The Conjuring Two. So. Mm-hmm. In May 2017, producer Peter Safran stated that The Crooked Man was actually being considered by New Line Cinema as a feature film. So that's pretty cool. So was The Nun. Both of these characters are featured for the first time, I believe, in The Conjuring 2. So, yeah, a month later in June of 2017, The Crooked Man was officially announced. Uh, It was going to be developed by writer Mike Van Ways who had a script based on a treatment by James Wan. So Mike Van Ways is the writer that's attached still technically to this project. The only other thing this guy is known for, at least that I can find easily, is a writing credit on the upcoming live action, I think it's called Lily and Stitch, which is like a live action Lilo and Stitch reboot for Disney. Weird that they changed the name, but okay. <laughs> I think maybe they're doing like a girl version. Yeah, but Lilo is always a girl, I think. Maybe she has a daughter then? Oh, okay. Right. That's I could also just be wrong. Hold on. Let's look it up right now. Lily and Stitch. Um, have you ever seen Lilo and Stitch? No, I haven't. Have you? I have. It's like a 2002. It's one of like the last not CGI. Yeah. Uh, it, it's quite good. I like any of the um, Disney kind of Polynesian movies, as you know, with Moana. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly, yeah, yeah. I think it's in the same realm. I'm trying to find it. But I bet it's not as beautiful as Moana, because I don't think anything can beat Moana. Moana's my favorite fucking movie. I'm not able to find it, so I kind of think 
Yes, it's just called Lilo and Stitch, and I think I just made a mistake. Well, I'm glad we we figured that out, and I think a part of me knew to look into that. I uh, yeah, it makes more sense that it's just still Lilo and Stitch. So he's developing both of these projects. I don't think the Crooked Man is going to happen, mm. but uh, I think it in a in a second when I get to in a quote from the producer, it might make a little bit sense a little bit of sense why they hired sort of like a children's movie writer. Mm-hmm. Um. So, Juan once told Entertainment Weekly that the Crooked Man was in iller stages of development and that they wanted to develop a sort of new style for the film unrelated to the other Conjuring Universe films. And they wanted to make it sort of like a dark fairy tale subgenre. I'm guessing kind of like a bit of a Guillermo del Toro energy, which I think oh, would work. that's cool. Yeah. I know. That kind of does sound good. A, like, a, I believe a year later goes by and the producer stated that the script was in progress and that things were still sort of on the go. And then the last real update we got was in 2019, which is when the the third Annabelle film came, uh, came out, which is called Annabelle comes home. They got a quote. Yeah. We got a quote. It feels like a bad romantic comedy, but anyways, Annabelle comes home. It's really good. Actually. I really like it. Yeah. It's, it's out of the three, the second and the third ones I do suggest. Is it like her coming back to the weird basement they have of haunted? Exactly. Oh, that's amazing. Or something. I don't think she's coming back, but I think it's just like, you know, where we get to have fun and games in that basement with all those other scary things. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So that movie is just a bunch of different scary things from that basement, sort of um, freaking out babysitters that are taking care of the kids in the house. It's actually quite fun. Cabin in the Woodsy. Yeah, kind of Cabin in the Woodsy. Yes. Yeah. And it kind of YA horror, but still scary. I really, really recommend it. Okay, that sounds fun. Yeah. So I believe at this point, this producer said something along the lines of, they they ended up making the Nun movie. It was a huge success. So they're pivoting to making the Nun 2 before they focus on the Crooked Man, because I'm assuming it's going to be like a guarantee moneymaker. Yeah. So that doesn't mean that the Crooked Man isn't going to get made, but Peter Saffron kind of indicated it was at the like kind of at the sideline now to make room for more nun features. And I think the longer time goes by between The Conjuring Two and now, the less chance they're going to actually do it because it's less and less rough, less and less um, memorable, memorable or like uh, relevant as yeah. time goes by. For sure. I mean, I think, you know, I, I've heard of The Nun so much, even not have watching any of these movies. I actually mm-hmm. didn't even know she was from The Conjuring. <laughs> I just yeah. like, seen that image and, and, you know, seen people dress like that for Halloween and stuff like that. Um, but I'd never heard of The Crooked Man before. So uh-huh. that's right. She definitely made a bigger impact yeah. than The Crooked Man. But of course, how do we know? Because she had her own movie that was a huge success. Yeah. But yeah, people loved the nun. I believe she also had an appearance in Annabelle Two, a pretty scary, very like um, subtle sort of How appearance. How was she in that. able to come back if they put her back into hell? Annabelle Two takes place earlier than this. Oh, I believe. Okay. I believe it takes place in the fifties or something. Nice. Um, and then her movie takes place even longer ago, so the timeline is sort of all over the place. Got it. Um, yeah. So the nun movies were made. But this movie kind of never did. It kind of fell away and we're never, well, we'll see at the end. We're going to, you and I are going to decide at the end if this movie still stands a shot at getting made. So I don't want to yeah. get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> I yeah. really like the idea though of it being like a scary fairy tale, like kind of for kids. Like I think that sounds cool and creepy. I think it sounds cool too. Yeah. yeah. But, but you know, it would be CGI galore, galore. Oh, yeah, you're right. I think the best way to do it would be to be kind of a mixture of CGI and practical. Have you ever seen Where the Wild Things Are? No, I didn't see it. It's a good example of what a mixture of the two can look like. And I think it has a, I don't know, has a cool effect. Okay, so that's it on the Crooked Man sort of film history production. I am kind of interested in pivoting into talking about the Boogeyman as an archetype. Are you down? Yeah, so down. I did. So I did tell you to sort of prepare. You did. Some you tell me to think about it. Yeah. What did I say exactly? What was the you What said, was the assignment? You said pay attention to the Crooked Man and <laughs> think about the Boogeyman archetype and different Boogeymen in the world. Basically, definitely sounds like what my college class would be. 
if I was if I could teach anything. It doesn't sound like what my college class would be. No, no, it wouldn't. And it would still be hard and it would still suck and if there would be too much reading for sure. Oh, I'm sure. Um, okay, Jules, what is without thinking at all about any of the research maybe I presented you or You didn't show me that much. I didn't, that's good. Or like even movies that he's been in. Just for you personally, how would you define the boogeyman or what is the boogeyman? So for me, the boogeyman I've always thought of as this sort of like fear for kids, like to keep you out of doing bad things. So I feel like it's always been this like consequence, like the boogeyman mm-hmm. will get you if you do this. It's always been, the, it always relates to children for me mm-hmm. um, that it's like this childhood fear that kind of becomes huge and only you can see it. No one else can see it, which is incredibly horrifying as a kid. Uh-huh. And I think it's, it's used as a tool by adults to be like, don't do this or the boogeyman will get you. So it's like a cautionary tale. Yeah. Yeah. That's always how I think of it. Yeah. I agree with you. I would say, you know, growing up a lot of the time when you think of, you know, uh, like a scary monster that's sort of humanoid with like a hat and he's kind of like yes. um, male presenting. I like that I yes, said that. Yes, yes. That's, I agree. It's always kind of associated with kids. I think one of the big reasons I see it as that are um, some of like the media representation of yeah. the boogeyman archetype that have stuck with me the most over the years. We'll get to the boogeyman in the media in a second, uh-huh. but I thought it'd give us maybe a little history lesson Ooh. on like where it comes from and maybe where the words sort of originate from. So oh, yeah. yeah, the word boogie uh, originated to what I believe in midst the 19th century. So it was originally a sort of quasi proper name for the devil uh, it may have also been derived from Middle English, the word bog or or boog, which could mean uh, terror or scarecrow, which is oh kind of cool. God. <laughs> yeah, it's scary, right? Oh, scary. Yeah. The first reference to the boogeyman uh, is considered to be more along the lines of something called hobgoblins, oh, which okay. was described in England in the 1500s. So many people believed that these hobgoblins were made to torment humans. Well, some thought these hobgoblins only played sort of harmless pranks. Maybe some were meaner than others in nature. So I think some people think that the boogeyman kind of has evolved from goblins or hobgoblins from, from English fairy tales, I guess. Wow. I know. It's, cool. it's funny because I don't, it's really cool. And I don't really think of it, uh, the boogeyman as like playful goblins. It's no, I mean, either. It's moved, you know what I mean? So, yeah, so far it's, in the world. It's like anything in, in popular culture, like I'll, I'll, I'll use Santa as an example, where like it just evolves with the culture and yeah. like changes over time. I, I, I think, I mean, listen, I'm not a, I'm not a professional, but I think that's sort of what like folklore does. Yeah, you're right. Totally. It kind of evolves over time. So I sort of did a very preliminary scan of my favorite examples of the boogeyman archetype in media. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want me to list, like, sort please, of run this please. list by you? And you can tell me if any of them were big Pop deals out. for you. Yeah. Yeah. So I think a big one would be Freddy Krueger. Right. You know, any kind of, like, spooky uh, figure in a, like, in a hat, I think, makes makes the cut so i'm also going to include the babadook um i mean what an incredible babadook what an incredible movie uh uh-huh. especially as a trauma counselor it was like so beautiful for me I, to watch. I found there to be some parallels between the babadook and this in in, in the conjuring 2 where you have like a mother who's sort of outside of her realm of capability yeah. struggling struggling financially and, and sort of unable to emotionally manage taking care of her kid yeah i will definitely say like there was a like a, a kind of quick throwaway line where she said you know our husband my husband just left and he just left us out of nowhere and and they were like well demons come to you at that time like when when you're when things are really hard mm-hmm. it made me think like that makes sense because trauma probably manifests in kids like really acting out and uh-huh. things feeling really scary and really weighted like that really made sense to me for it to be a true story of like why these people probably thought they were haunted because I mm-hmm. bet there was things going on. And like, though, anyways, I thought that from was your counselor perspective. Yeah. Do you think that there is any crossover between emotional trauma and supernatural horror? Supernatural horror? 
Yeah, uh, like real super, like any, like real supernatural stuff. Do you think that there is a, a sort of veil between those two concepts? I think in the way that trauma can manifest in ways that like you can have auditory hallucinations, you can have tactile hallucinations, you can see things out of the corner of your eye, you can be really scared, feel really fearful at all times. Um, that kind of stuff can happen. So I could see that being seen as supernatural, but I don't think there is a supernatural thing happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I could see it as being perceived as supernatural. And I'm sure for someone who's experienced really serious trauma and now is experiencing all these feelings to then not be believed believed must be even more traumatic so it's just such a cycle that I'm sure would happen but oh cool yeah I love that you phrased it like that because it leads me to one of my you know most nostalgic and favorite examples which Mm -hmm. would be um from Buffy season two there's an episode called killed by death where there's like the monster is called Der Kinderstad and basically Buffy's in a hospital with a bad fever and we learn that there's this monster um, kind of humanoid figure in a suit and a bowler hat that is sucking the lives out of little kids when yeah. they're sick. And uh, only kids can see him and he only comes around at night. And it, it really, really, really fucked me up as a kid. I would say, you know, every kind of horror fan has the one thing that, you know, kind of scarred them for life. <laughs> yeah. And I would say that's the one that did it for me. Um, I'm sure I've talked about it a lot over the years oh my god I, i've also seen that episode a million times because <laughs> <laughs> it's it my favorite scary. one i will say it is scary but um watching it as an adult is very different than probably watching it as a kid and getting scarred by it yes um, yes for sure. I, I was not privileged with buffy as a child um a little bit of my trauma just getting it's not really trauma but uh so i've only watched buffy as an adult when josh has forced me to watch buffy episodes mm-hmm. um yeah <laughs> and i will say i i like that thing of like kids not being believed I, that's a trope in almost all horror movies but i uh-huh. I, I always like it because i think it's so real and i will say in this movie i liked when like the cops were there and the thing moved and i was like wow they actually were gonna do it they actually did it in front of the cops you'd think that i'm so used to people not being believed in horror movies you know yeah no totally it's an easy trope to lean yeah. on for scares but it, it does work if you do it right and i do i don't know if i'm just uh biased but i do think that buffy episode did it well it did. No, it did do it well. There's I think few- it's such a human mm-hmm. emotion to be, like need to be believed, especially when something really hard is happening. Uh, and so we can all feel that that feeling would be like if we were trying to get help and people weren't believing us, you know? I'm sure if you like dig deeper for half of a second, um, it would be easy to relate it to like, you know, victims not being believed and the exactly. trauma associated with that exactly. and how maybe usually there's a certain... 100%. If you're a kid, maybe you know, there's a certain through line and yeah. in, in what, in, in who victimizes you. And maybe, yeah, maybe there's a sort of, yeah. And I do think that that's probably part of the boogeyman trope is, is, is sort of, and I think why it's a man and it's always to kids. I'm sure there is some of this like cautionary tale around being afraid of men that are like trying to prey on children. Like I'm sure there's some, uh, you know uh-huh, a correlation like, yeah. yeah to like pedophiles and trying to scare kids mm-hmm. away from people or even like play. figures that probably are more likely to be abusers i, yeah, I don't want to make yeah. a, a lot of assumptions but i'm assuming a lot of times that adult men yeah exactly it, um, it is, yeah and we not share always, that like, not always of course but, yeah, but i guess i'm guessing statistically it's yeah. it's pretty high yeah. something that i thought of when i was thinking about the boogeyman archetype is do you think that over time maybe we've associated uh, what doctors look like with the scary boogeyman archetype because they're sort of the harbingers of death or they certainly have been in a way? Ooh, totally, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and how they used to kind of wear more like, like a Plague doctors pet. and stuff, yeah. Yeah, or even not even plague doctors, but like in the last hundred years, how they would dress, maybe it would be more formal, but they probably wear a hat. They, well, they would be male, the, older characters. The boogeyman, for some reason, is always kind of dapper. Yes, <laughs> uh, yes. Part. And you're right that like, Exactly, they are dapper. Yeah, totally. We're like rich and dapper, and 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 I think I think a scary doctor is also so scary. Like when I think about so many things, like the idea of your doctor not being a good person, like very frightening, vulnerable is so scary. Yes, I'm sure that that that's probably in there. You know, and there's nothing scarier than like that that true crime doctor death stuff. Oh, I can't wait for the the miniseries of Dr. Jackson. Yeah. What's the general, like, what's the general, uh, is it, 
I thought it was Christian Slater. Is he? Are they both in it? He's Christian Slater's in it as well, but he's not. Uh-huh. But Joshua Jackson's playing the Doctor. Oh God. Um, what's the like the like what's the logline for the real story there? Can you inform me? Yeah, like what's it about? Yeah, like what was the real life? Yeah, what so was the real, the real life, life story thing? is there was a doctor, I think I believe he was a back surgeon, um, and Ugh, he God. was really awful, uh, really did not know how to do his job, even though he he graduated from a really high prestigious uh, university. And it sounds like he was just kind of like egotistical and thought he could could do no wrong. And what was happening is he was doing these surgeries horribly and people were dying or getting paralyzed for life. Ugh. And instead of the hospitals taking ownership, they would just literally pass him on to a new hospital with oh, a God. glowing review. Oh, no. He's great, he's great, he's great. So he went, he, he like bounced from hospital to hospital. So he was able to kill a lot of people. Oh my God, it's very spotlight. It's very the yeah. Catholic church. Yeah. Moving around their little pedophiles. Yeah, I definitely um, recommend the podcast for anyone. Uh, Dr. Death. I think it's too scary for me personally, I have to say. Yeah, it's, it, honestly, it's pretty, it's pretty scary, yeah. Um, yeah, so you like my doctor theory? I love it. It's so on point. You're totally oh, right. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> That's nice. I know. I'm actually agreeing with you. Uh, yeah, no, I do agree. <laughs> uh, before we move on to, to conclusion world, okay. do you have any like last thoughts about Boogeyman or the Boogeyman archetype I mean, or, or them in films? I feel like we need to talk about the movie The Boogeyman. Okay, let's, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. Let's I saw it in theaters, which I want to say. I think I did too. Did we see it together? No way. I think no, I saw I it with my dad. Did. I wonder what year it came out. It was called yeah. The Boogeyman, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I also know that there was definitely a bunch of direct video sequels to this. Stop it. I yeah. mean, The Boogeyman in general should have been a direct-to-fucking-video because it was, like, probably one of the worst movies I've ever seen. It was very bad. Hold on. I'm stuck. I'm still trying to find it. It's, ugh, The Boogeyman. But did I enjoy my movie-watching experience? I think I did. I remember, like, laughing in the theater and, like, having a, a gay old time. Jules, you're never allowed and to say that. I can't. Gay old time? <laughs> yeah, it was very homophobic. Okay, the Boogeyman film. I'm spelling it wrong and, it, and Wikipedia is just like, what? Oh yeah, Boogeyman. I think it is just called Boogeyman. No, oh the. Jules, you really fucked around with wow, that. Wow. You really, you really hurt me there. Okay, so Boogeyman is a 2005 supernatural film directed by oh. Stephen Kay and starring Barry Watson, Emily Deschanel. And a bunch oh. of oh my god, and Lucy Lawless. Oh yes, yes, I love how it's Stephen K. Like it's not Stephen King, but maybe he was trying to look like he was. Who is the Stephen K. fellow? <laughs> he's like he's trying to get the notoriety that we like think it's Stephen King. He apparently used to date Terry Hatcher and Eva Longoria. Whoa, I know Housewives tea. I know my favorite show. Ugh. Um, yeah. What who, what was the the lead? Barry Watson. He I was just... in Seventh Heaven, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Was it 7th Heaven? Yeah, yeah, he was in 7th Heaven. He was oh, yeah, he absolutely was. 155 episodes. He was also in my favorite movie, Teaching Mrs. Tingle by Kevin Williamson. You know, it's funny. Uh, another Dawson's Creek person was in that movie. Who? Yes, Katie Holmes, Honey Bear. Honey Bear. Um, I will say the Boogeyman, what I, or just Boogeyman, sorry. Um, I loved that, like, lights killed him. Like you. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, so, like, if you had the lights on, he couldn't come. And oh, my so God, that guy, was it? Yeah. Yeah, the guy just, like, slept with the lights on all the time, and I was like, it's not that bad of a life. No, I no. I, I do it as it is. I There's always some kind of light on. Yeah. I feel like that was such a trope of the early to mid-2000s. Like, Ugh. every movie was about that. There was a movie called They that had the exact same plot. You couldn't turn off the lights or, the, or they'd get you. Oh, gosh. Uh, I think also Darkness Falls, starring Emma Caulfield. I was going to say, I was going to bring up Darkness Falls. Absolutely. The, the the tooth fairy which is interesting because it was like a a female boogeyman which doesn't happen yes yes well it's a tooth fairy so maybe it's kind of its own thing but would you say it falls into the archetype it felt like a boogeyman movie when i saw it because it it felt like again a folklore for kids to be like scared of like cautionary like it felt like that but maybe Uh would you say mary shaw from dead silence also falls into it yeah i would Mm, that's cool which isn't i mean like again maybe i'm finding too many similarities and maybe i'm missing the no no maybe not though but i I I will say mary shaw what i love is that if you scream she can kill you that is fucking yeah beware the stare of mary shaw um i really want to turn it into like uh, origin series like a period piece origin series in like the 40s or whatever about yes. her life and she was like turning people into dolls uh yeah do Pretty it amazing right yeah okay, Jules, if you're comfortable with it i think we can head into conclusions are you ready i'm totally comfortable with it all right do you think and we have to be careful with our answer because what we say is law oh is the crooked man film gonna get made so i think unfortunately it will not be made why not I- 
I think it's too far gone. I think people don't really remember the Crooked Man. I think it's all about the nun. Uh, <laughs> so I, I don't think it's going to happen. Good for her. Right? Yeah, yeah more well. stories about women. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> totally the Bechtel test. Anyway, I will say, women. though, more female antagonists in horror would be amazing. Yeah, though I'm, I'm, I think the nun is played by a man. It looks like it. No, no, I believe not. Actually, and she's oh. kind of getting famous. I think she's going to be in the new Ari Aster movie. I forget her name. I apologize, but yeah, that's that actress is a, a woman. Oh a my god, I'm so glad to hear that. I thought it was yeah, she has very distinct features. Yeah, sorry. Um, hold on. Do we do I want to say her name? Is it? I always find when I listen to podcasts, people are always looking stuff up, and nobody cares. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think people care, but you can look it up. Um, I don't know. Who cares? Everyone has Google. You can Google. People know it's fine. Okay, so you're saying no. You're saying no to the crooked I'm man. I'm saying unfortunately no. What do you think? I think you're right. I think yeah. it is maybe too late for the crooked man. Although who knows? The thing is, is that yes, they're pivoting to the nun because the nun did so well. But every one of these Conjuring universe movies does really, really well. Wow. So just so yeah. So I feel like all of them are kind of a safe bet. But so I maybe, wonder uh-huh. if like how Dead Silence didn't do well, which was his kind of pivot into sort of like younger, kind of spookier, ookier things. Mm-hmm. And that flopped. They'd be worried that the Crooked Man would do the same. You could be right. You could be right. It could be less of a guarantee uh, sort of genre. The, like, fa- the fantasy younger genre. Yeah. Because um, clearly the religious horror stuff is is gangbusters it's, no matter what. It's selling. Yeah, it's it's going well. It does well because people are dumb and they're religious. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. You said that. <laughs> I'm probably going to have to cut that. Yeah, I'm going to cut that up. Yeah. Um, do we want to see a Crooked Man movie? I would. I think that would be really cool. Yeah, right? Yeah. And I don't think that would be. Yeah, actually, it would be expensive because they'd have to make it look good. And, and I think I, it would be cool if it was practical effects, but they're not going to do that because they don't do that anymore. They don't do that. It would be cool, like, see, it would be cool, like, um, what do you think of this? You know how they make kid movies now where it looks claymation, but it's kind of yes. CGI? Yes. What if we did something like that where it's maybe partially cool. claymation, but it's, like, CGI and it's, like, a Frank and Weenie moment? Yes, that would be very Or, like, cool. a Coraline kind of a thing? Ooh, yeah. There we go. We got it. We got it. We got, got it. it. Coraline. Yes. Absolutely. Like a Coraline-esque. They made, you know, they made a bunch of movies kind of like Coraline, and that's yeah. kind of what I'm thinking. But make it, like, actually scary? Yeah, yeah. Make it, like, you know, like, like not, scary. Like, teen not scary. Teen scary. Yeah, yeah. Like, Guillermo del Toro, like, and, like, gateway horror scary. Yeah. Oh. So uh, into that movie. I would put money in for that Kickstarter. Okay, Jules. <laughs> we're going to have to get that going. Unfortunately, uh, counters don't make a lot of money. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, then no, I I agree with you. Okay, so now that you you've survived the Conjuring two, yeah. do you feel okay? Is was this too much for you? How are you feeling? Uh, on the scariness side, like this is probably as scary as I want to watch. Uh, it was yeah. a lot it was a lot for me i was very <laughs> glad that i didn't see it in theaters like taking breaks really helped uh i think it would have traumatized me in theaters <laughs> i was very scared by it in theaters i i still find it scary it's stupid but it's scary yeah, oh yeah oh yeah it's it's very stupid but and, and i also love how like the nun being this like horrible demon that was like so magical was killed so easily i know your name like, she just like Sharon. yeah <laughs> it's, it's like wow true. well that was easy uh yeah. yeah i know it's very like they needed to finish the script and like why did the nun tell her his her name that was pretty stupid of the nun that was pretty, <laughs> because <laughs> all you need to do is say it and then they're gone because jesus loves you yeah jesus i guess wants jesus good things for you anyways whatever. but yes uh I, I appreciate now that I know what the Conjuring universe is because I do feel like I was missing out on like a bit of the zeitgeist. So yeah, you yeah I would say you were. I would say you were. And the third one obviously just came out. This is why I believe the Insidious movies are basically the Conjuring movies, but not religious, and that's why I like them. Yeah, right. Insidious one was scarier. What would you say? What What are you now, Conjuring or Insidious? Who wins? Insidious. Nice. That means only- that I haven't seen the first uh, Conjuring, but. So you've seen Insidious 1 and... Conjuring 2. <laughs> and, and Conjuring 2. I think you have seen Insidious No, you three. tried to show me 3 and then you got scared and turned it off. Yeah, that sounds like me. <laughs> I love... I am an apologist for the third Insidious movie. I really like it, but it, I do remember getting drunk or high that night and being like, this is you too You were too scared. Much. Yeah. <laughs> you were going to leave and then I was going to be alone. I want to watch the whole thing, but yeah, you're right. No, eventually you were going to have to leave. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't gonna stay with you forever i remember being l- very authentically scared that night yes um i know yes. it's not a, it's not a scary movie 
Uh, all right, Jules, if you want to be found, where can people find you? Uh, I guess you can find me on Instagram, Jules Rules Your World, but I'm not really someone that interesting. But yeah. So it's Jules cool. underscore rules underscore your underscore, underscore your world. world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if you're in Toronto, you may see that tagged in, in bathrooms. You may. You may. Um, you may and you might. All right, that was fun. Thank you, Jules. So Thanks for coming on this podcast. I, do you think you'll ever come back? I would if you asked me. Thanks so much for having me again. I think I'll ask you. I think I would. I appreciate it. All right, so I'm just going to hit stop. Don't go away, okay? Okay, good night. No, don't leave. No, no, I'll stay. Ah! All right, well, thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back with another episode of Development Hell. Coming soon to Dread, Val. Finn, a wanted criminal, hides out with an escort named Val, a demon. Val offers to make all of his problems disappear if he follows her rules. She has been expecting him all along, and it won't be easy to escape Val's dungeon. You can catch Val on October 5th and on Blu-ray, November 2nd.